you a fan of this podcast? Do you wish there was even more juicy content for you to sink your ears into? Well, there is. You can become a premium member of this podcast for $5.99 a month and get full access to an archive of over 50 bonus episodes. Additionally, we release a bonus episode every single month. That's a ton of extra content, including my personal interior design diaries, extra tips, my talking about trends, and so much more. Additionally, you'll be keeping us on the airwaves each and every week because your premium membership money goes directly back to making this podcast amazing. Check us out at affordableinteriordesign.com. Click on podcast to learn more and to become a premium member today. Hi, everyone. I hope you and yours are feeling healthy and well during this coronavirus pandemic. For this episode and the foreseeable upcoming episodes, the podcast is going to have a more raw and unpolished sound. Our dear friend and amazing podcast producer, Catherine, is suffering from the effects of the coronavirus. In addition, her neighborhood has been severely impacted. And as you know, we're located in the hotbed, New York State, and we are suffering over here. And unfortunately, she is suffering. So we're going to have a different sound. Please bear with us and please keep her in your thoughts. Please send good energy Catherine's way. And um, I'm sending good energy to all of you out there. All right, here's the episode. a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look be your own interior designer this is affordable interior design the podcast here's your host betsy helmet how the heck are you guys doing you know, the one saving grace in this whole situation, well, certainly there are probably several, but one of my favorites is that the weather is getting nice and I can go outside and I can be in nature or just on my street and it not be chilly. In order to get out of my house for a little bit, I can work on my patio. I'm just so grateful that if the coronavirus had to hit, it is doing so at a time when there's nice weather and not back in October or November when we're forced to stay inside, when we're forced to stay together like sardines and when we can't really fully enjoy getting some fresh air, taking a jog, taking a brisk walk in my case, or just um, communing with nature a little bit and getting a different perspective. I hope that you guys are getting a chance to do just that. It has been a really interesting time. I was reflecting the other day and I realized that I haven't not worked. I haven't not had the pressure to work since I was 15. (laughs) 
at 15, I didn't have to fully support myself. So that was more of just a job that I did for my spending money. But when I turned 18, uh, when I went as um, in college, I needed a job to survive. That is how I ate. That is how I paid for my expenses. Luckily, my mom paid for my college, but I had to pay for everything else. And I started feeling the pressure then, and I've had a job ever since. And I've put my foot on the gas and tried to make it in New York City with, um, you know, a business that I built myself. I've been using this business to raise a family. I've just always felt the pressure of needing to both work hard and make money. And this is really the first time in decades that... I am taking my foot off the gas because nobody's calling and nobody's hiring affordable interior design at this time. It's practically come to a standstill. We are doing some virtual packages, but it's really quite slow. Uh, but also I'm not in the rat race with everyone else. You know, so many of us, if we're not an essential worker, if we're not working from home, so many of us are somewhat furloughed and are just kind of sitting around twiddling our thumbs, wondering what's next. And I often ask myself, you know, if I wasn't working, what would I be doing? You know, if I wasn't working, I bet I would have time to work on that project. If I didn't have a job where I was laboring so hard, I bet I'd have time to make those perfect scrapbooks. I bet I'd have time to devote to, um, you know, finishing my wedding album from 10 years ago. Those kinds of projects that have been weighing on my mind, but are really never going to happen now can happen. Those things that I used to love to do as a youngster, whether it be jogging or whether it be painting are things that I can take up once again. I have lots of time and I'm actually running out of Netflix shows. So I really need recommendations, guys. Feel free to send those to info at affordableinteriordesign.com. But it was very liberating to feel like collectively so many of us are able to take our foot off the gas. Whether we wanted to or not, we're forced in this position of rest and calm while other people are struggling to survive and stay alive. The one thing we're asked to do is to lay low. And uh, it's been interesting to see how I handle that. I'm really embracing it and I'm loving mentally being able to flip that switch and not worry about productivity and finances every single day. Uh, that being said, there will come a time when the pressure will be back on, when the savings is depleted. And what does that look like? So it's hard to have that duality, not being able to work and wondering, should I be working? But also not having to work and wondering, what does my life look like without work? These are interesting thoughts that float through my brain day in, day out. What thoughts are floating through your brain? I hope you guys are doing okay. I hope you guys are staying well. Uh, in this worldwide epidemic, while we're all fighting a common enemy, we're all sort of going through something collectively. And that feels really unique and special and weird and weird. All right, let me get to your questions. Guys, the mailbag has proven to be an amazing distraction for me. So if you have questions, if you're struggling in this time, please write to me at info at affordableinteriordesign.com. 
Now more than ever, having a beautiful place to live, having a home office that's functional, having a space that feels safe is so vital. And if I can be any part of helping you to create that in your own life, please let me do my part. Send your email in. All right. My first question today is from Marissa. She writes, hello, Betsy. I cannot tell you what an inspiration you've been over the years as I've decorated my apartment and now I'm starting on my home. Thank you so much for your podcast question that I don't really hear you answer very much. My question is about outdoor furniture. The new home we bought has a very formal garden area right in our front yard. I've attached a photo. I'll also try and describe. You see, there's this diagonal set of concrete pavers that approach the covered front door from the driveway. In front of and around the door are boxwood hedges about waist high that also surround a large square patio in front of the door. The center of the patio holds a large concrete fountain. The front of the house is brick red and has all these white shutters and windowed white trim. My question is, what color should I use for this patio furniture? Should it be white to match the shutters? Black to offset all this white? Concrete? Or something more like a natural wood tone? Should I make sure that the patio furniture is lower than the hedge? Is patio furniture completely based on personal preference, or are there some basic outdoor furnishing guidelines for decks and patios as it relates to the aesthetic of the home? Any other considerations? The furniture in the photo below is what the previous owner used. Thank you for your help, Marissa. So Marissa, designing outdoor space is somewhat different than the designing indoor space. That being said, there's a lot of similarities as well. And in New York City, we design a lot of patios off of apartment spaces, balconies, but we also work in the suburbs quite a bit with people who have beautiful outdoor space. Speaking of beautiful, oh my gosh, your home is a stunner. It's got these columns. It's so symmetrical. It's really got a lot of wow. With outdoor furniture, it's really very important that you align the style of the furniture with the style of the architecture. Excuse me. Inside, you know that I'm a little bit more flexible about this. I don't feel that your master bedroom furniture needs to reflect the colors or the shapes or the architecture of the exterior per se. But in this particular space, especially because it's your front yard, the look of the furniture needs to be completely congruous with the look of the home. This home has a very traditional or transitional look, and you will need to go with traditional or transitional furniture. The other thing that you want to do is still provide contrast. I actually love the black furniture that the previous owner has used. I feel that it really provides that sharp, crisp outline, and there's really not much other black on the architecture of your home that I can see from these pictures. So it provides that visual power as well. I feel like the white furniture might get a little bit lost. Additionally, it's going to get very dirty. So we're going to be able to see those mud drops, the acid rain. I don't know. It's just not going to look fresh very long without constant hosing down. So it's another reason I'm drawn to the black. I'm not drawn to gray or concrete because I feel that it would blend too much with the concrete pavers and really wouldn't make much of a statement at all. And now it's time for a quick commercial break. Do you love this podcast? Do you wish you could learn even more? Well, 
we have an online class bundle. Our online class bundle is comprised of three online classes, beautifying your home for less, styling your home, and the fundamentals of feng shui. Each one of those three classes is between 30 and 45 minutes long and chock filled with visuals and tips, things that will help you to style your own space or help out with other spaces. Additionally, with the pack of three classes, you get an autographed copy of my book, Affordable Interior Design. You get all of that for only $99. Once again, that's the three online classes as well as the book for only $99. You just go to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to buy your bundle today. And if one of those classes sounded intriguing, but maybe you already have my book or some of the other topics are not of interest, you can buy the classes individually at that site as well. Each class is $40. So head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash classes to get your bundle or your online class today. Now, I have an obsession with this next element that I'm going to bring up, but have you thought about color? Places like Grandin Road and Frontgate have amazing, colorful outdoor furniture. I love color. I just think there's so much pop and personality. That being said, you already have a relatively colorful landscape. You have these planters that have these vibrant red flowers. You have red brick on the house. And then, of course, all the hedges provide a really heavy dose of green. So maybe color isn't the way I would go here. Maybe I would do the black furniture. I might, rather than doing wicker, incorporate some raw iron or something that felt a little bit sturdier in the front and go for this more casual wicker or maybe even wood tone in the back. But because your home is so symmetrical, because it has this amazing fountain, because it has this very traditional or transitional architecture style, I truly feel like you need to go somewhat regal out here uh, with pieces that feel, look, and are luxe. And I think black red iron would be an amazing element to bring in. Marissa, I hope that helps. You know, there's really not much else I can say besides maybe incorporating some planters, things like that, because you don't even have room for, say, a table and chairs or a nice big outdoor rug. Those things are more casual and typically belong in the back space. And you wouldn't necessarily use them to make that first impression unless you have a covered outdoor porch or something like that. All right, Marissa, I hope that helps. And I'm glad you've been enjoying the podcast. Let's move to my next question from Kylie. Kylie writes, hello, Betsy. I really enjoy your podcast. And I have a few questions of my own. I live in a one bedroom apartment with my boyfriend of eight years. And since there are two people in a relatively small space, our living area needs to serve many different purposes. As you can see in my pictures, the front hallway is cluttered. Do you have any advice on how to retain the functional aspects of coat and shoe storage while making it look more tidy? All right, so let me answer that question before I move on to the other questions. So yes, you do have a small space. And on a previous question that I answered earlier this month, they also had a very small, or another way to phrase that, is cozy space. 
And what you want to do when you do have such a cozy space is you want to make sure that you're not overburdening it. Looking at these pictures, I do feel like perhaps you're overburdening this space. There's a lot of functions. There's a lot of mid-size furniture that's doing some functions, but not all the functions. Then you have to get another piece of mid-size furniture that again, performs some of the functions, but not all the functions. And it's looking cluttered due to that. I think that you need to reduce what's in here a little bit. Uh, that means getting rid of some things. I would love to see you, you know, instead of having this Ikea shelving that's got the cubbies. Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the name. I use it all the time. And typically the name of this Ikea piece is on the tip of my tongue, but it's got those square cubbies uh, and comes in lots of different shapes and sizes. And you happen to have a four by four here. Well, I just feel like it's not doing enough heavy lifting for the amount of floor space that it's taking up. Have you thought about doing shelves that go higher? Have you thought about maybe doing a bigger shelving area so that you can maybe reduce some of the items that are on the double desk across from this area. Because in the living room, I can see that you have two desk zones. You have a music zone with no less than three instruments. You have uh, lots of DVDs. You have a Papazon chair. You have a kitty PlayStation as well as a kitty bed. You have random end tables. You have a bar cart. You have another storage cart. I'm a little overwhelmed and you need a freaking hallelujah moment when you get these medium band-aids that solve some of the problems, but not all the problems. Then you have to buy another band-aid. Well, it becomes just this snowball situation where your home winds up looking cluttery. And also you need to reduce with the art. Another reason that the space looks cluttery is because your clusters of art are in multiples. You have three pieces above the kitchen door, three pieces beside the kitchen door, two pieces by the office window, two pieces on the other side of the office office window. Uh, there's just so much little stuff or medium stuff all over the place that your eye is looking for a place to rest, whether that's an open area with no pieces or an area that features some larger pieces that do more heavy lifting, either storage wise or visually like a big piece of art. All right. Did that even answer your question? I think it did. It said, uh, you know, you need to reconsider, but also you've been putting your storage for your entryway, which does go back to that original question in a rather tight hallway. And you're doing so with a piece of storage furniture. It's like a hall tree that has, um, shoe shelving at the bottom on like a bench. And then it has an attached piece that curves over the top with hooks for your coats. Um, I would rather see those hooks just attached right to the wall, screwed into the wall so that you don't lose that four to six inches of space behind the coat tree. Because right now it appears that you're storing some recycling boxes behind the coat tree, which is causing that to push out into the space even more. Also, I think everybody needs 
a mixture of open and closed storage because I don't want to see all your stuff. So for me, I need open storage for the shoes. My kids are never going to open a door to put their shoes away. We need that open shelving so they can just take their shoes off, put it in their cubby and run. But I don't want my coats, my hoodies, my jackets to be in plain sight or to be bundled up on hooks. So I have an armoire that I got from Ikea that has cubbies on one side and doors on the other side where I can open and hang my coats and it's relatively low profile. And I think that would work really well here as well. Now, the other way that you could go is just reducing because right now it seems like you're not doing a good job of editing. Basically, the spring hoodies are layered on top of the fluffy winter coats and you're not being more, um, what's the word? Oh, what's that word I'm looking for? Oh, oh gosh. I don't want to say diplomatic discipline. That's the one I'm looking for. Oh my gosh. You're not being disciplined with how you are maintaining this space. You need to make a rule that there's only two coats per hook. And if there's more than two coats per hook, they need to go in a closet or be stored elsewhere. Sometimes you just have to be disciplined with yourself and your family members, and you have to create a habit. People say it can take as many as 21 days to create a habit. So don't expect that you're going to see a change overnight. But again, you're having the same problem with the shoes where I can see, you know, about 10 pairs of shoes on this small bench that are spilling off the small bench into the entryway. And if you made a conscious choice to say, my boyfriend has the top shelf and I have the bottom shelf. And when that shoe shelf is full, I need to put the pairs that I don't wear as regularly in my closet. That's exactly what we do at my home because, you know, I still have my flip-flops hanging out and I haven't worn those in, uh, what, seven months, but I keep it to only three pairs of shoes on my shelf. So I'm not mad that the flip-flops are there if I have one pair of boots and one pair of sneakers and I'm not overflowing. But the minute my shoes overflow, I'm taking those flip-flops upstairs to the closet. Part of living in a small space is having adequate and well thought out design. And the other part of living in a small space is being disciplined. And that's just the way it goes. There's pros and cons with every space, but as somebody who's lived in no less than nine studio apartments, one of them being 150 square feet, the other one being 220 square feet, I know a thing or two about good design meeting discipline. And as a relatively messy person myself, I've had to really work hard at those habits so that spaces don't get out of control. Because the good thing about having a modestly sized space is typically it's more economical and there's less to clean. But the bad thing about having a very small space is that you really need to be strategic and you need to make some hard choices and you need to be disciplined. All right. Sorry for that smackdown, but we have to keep it real. All right, Kylie, you have a couple of other questions for me. Another area I'm less than happy with is that corner. Right now, it's mostly owned by the cat and the purple Papazon chair. Do you think I should put a different style of chair there? A better end table? The lamp is pretty bland too. What kind of lamp would suit that space? Do I have to push over the bookshelf? Should I replace the bookshelf? All right, Kylie, Kylie. Let's talk about overburdening your space. You're asking the space to do way too much. How often do you ever sit in that chair? 
The cat can sit in lots of different places that are much smaller than a purple papasan chair. But I have a feeling nobody is sitting in this corner. And I say, eliminate it. You have a nice big sofa that can seat quite a few people. And perhaps that corner can function more efficiently for you. It's just too tight to sit comfortably in any type of normal chair. I would rather see you center the sectional sofa on this wall Put one really nice end table on one side. Put the floor lamp on the other side. Speaking of floor lamp, since you asked my opinion, I am really not a fan of torsier lamps. Those have a narrow base and flare at the top. The thing I love about a torsier is it tends to do a very good job of illuminating the space, of adding a lot of light. The thing I don't like about a torsier is they look bad. Very few of them look sophisticated. They usually look cheap and not designerly. And this one fits the bill in terms of looking cheap and not designerly. So I'd rather that you have fewer pieces that you really love that make a beautiful artistic statement than having all these little pieces that first of all, aren't functional. And second of all, aren't attractive. Oh my gosh. I'm really, I'm really feeling it today, Kylie. All right. Your last question. I suppose this last question is more general. Would you arrange this space differently? I think that the current layout maximizes the usable space, but I am open to suggestions. Are there any storage solutions you would suggest? We have storage in the couch and the coffee table. Well, you know, I actually think you don't have too many layout options. What with all the functions you've asked the space to do with the music zone, the storage, the two desks, the sectional, the TV viewing, this space feels pretty maxed out to me. And then we're adding the cats and all the cat paraphernalia. I think that you need those strategic larger pieces that serve more function. You need to be thinking hallelujah moment. How can I get a big piece that does a lot of heavy lifting so that maybe I can put this printer in a cabinet on the opposite side of the room? Maybe it's three bookcases like the Leotorp system that you can click together that then have cabinets on the bottom where you could store some less attractive items and still have some display. I do think that this room needs major reconsideration just because it feels cluttery. Um, but I think by reducing and getting pieces that do a little bit more for you, you can easily transform this space. That's another benefit of having a small space is just a few key changes can make a world of difference. I also think that you need closed storage because I do see that the coffee table can hold things, but I also see that I can see all the stuff you have shoved in there because of these open cubbies. So either add some baskets so that I'm seeing the side of the basket and not the side of all the paraphernalia or get a different coffee table that's maybe more of a trunk style so that the pieces are inside and cannot be seen externally at all. The other slight worry I have, oh my gosh, I'm on a tirade, Kylie, is that it appears that your coffee table is higher than the seat of the sofa. Ideally, you want the seat of the sofa from the floor to the cushion where you put your booty 
to be the same height as the coffee table from the floor to the top of that coffee table. Uh, Certainly the coffee table could be a couple inches lower than the seat of the sofa, but I never like it to be higher because then it's very uncomfortable to say, put your feet on or to do anything else on. And plus it looks visually strange. Uh, So that's my vote. I think we need a couple new pieces that will make a really big difference, not only in the visual wow of this space, but also in the functional capability of this space. Guys, I hope you're taking some time to reconsider your space now that you're spending so much time in it. Are there a few key changes that you could make that would make a world of difference? Are you having some Kylie moments around your space? I know I'm constantly rethinking my space just because... You know, first of all, it's what I do professionally. And second of all, I'm in it all day long now. So I just bought myself some new pillows that's helping me to feel good. And um, I bought myself some bins so I can reorganize now that we're multifunctional, now that we're homeschooling, working from home, doing so much more than we did before in our space. Guys, keep those questions coming. I'll try and be a little kinder to you than I was to Kylie. You can shoot them over to me at info at affordableinteriordesign.com. Stay safe, stay healthy, and until next time, bye. You've asked for it and we have answered the call. For years, you've been saying, Betsy, You're talking about all these great design concepts, but we can't visualize them. You're describing the picture that the listener sent in of their problem, and we wish we could see that picture too. After all, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I do my best to describe them, but there's nothing like seeing it for yourself. And that's why Affordable Interior Design, the podcast, now has a YouTube channel. Not only do we have a YouTube channel where you could see recordings and clips of these podcast episodes, we also have an Instagram, a Facebook, and so many other exciting things. You should check it out. Head over to affordableinteriordesign.com slash links. Once again, affordableinteriordesign.com slash L-I-N-K-S links. And when you go there, you will see links to our YouTube page, our Instagram page, our Facebook page, and more. Please check it out, follow and subscribe so you can see everything I'm talking about. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.